My heart is that uh, I really hope that you have been served well. Um, because I am a son, but I'm a son that serves. And um, I, uh, you know, w- one of my challenges with being, with being in a position of leadership is I have to be task-oriented a lot. And I don't have time to talk to people and uh, listen to them. And that, I'm going to... Uh, because every single person in here should feel special. Every single person in here should feel important. And every person in here should be celebrated and valued. And, and one person shouldn't be celebrated and valued above another person. And um, a part of the, of, the, of the calling that we are tasked with, with healing grace, is to heal the bride from feeling as if she's been diminished or less than. We've had a season of celebration of leaders with the visible parts of the body. But God wants to celebrate the whole body and tell the whole body that it's beautiful. So yes, we we are called to present the glorious gospel and basically raise people from the dead. That's what salvation is. Greg taught me that. And uh, amen, I'm a student, right? And it's true. But, but we're also called to, to heal the church. Yep. We're bomb, man. We're, we're the bomb of Gilead. And don't fight the legalists. Don't fight. You know who's in the flesh and who's in the spirit by who's persecuting you. Yeah. Who? If you're persecuting someone, you're not in the spirit. Yep. It's just the truth. Like, you're not called to persecute. You're an Isaac. You're not an Ishmael. You're born of the spirit. You're not born of the flesh. And so you, having had your eyes open to this amazing grace and this amazing righteousness and this amazing Jesus, um, we're, we're part of the healing Amen. for the church. Amen? Amen. And so, um, it's, it's, uh, so all that being said, I'm learning how to be comfortable in being more task-oriented in order to serve. Because at the end of the day, you're serving in love. Amen? Regardless if you got to walk past everybody in the crowd and go set something up or go talk to somebody or whatever. Because I'm used to being the guy that can sit in the corner and talk to you for 30 minutes about your dream. But I can't. But I'm not that guy right now. But, but, uh, but I'm still loving you. Yeah. Even if I don't have time to listen to you. Yes, you are. You understand what I'm saying? You are. It's really important. Um, so... Amen. I'm learning how to do that and to be comfortable in that position because the Lord's asked me to do it. Amen. We feel love. Amen. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's very important. Amen. None of us are any better than any of the rest of us. Amen. We all need Jesus. We're all part of the body. We should all be celebrated. Amen. I'm about to call my family up here. <laughs> Is it over? Did we miss it? <laughs> okay, I won't do it. But I wanted to call my family up here and celebrate them because I'm, you know, that that's my number one church. Right? That's my number one church. That's my number one ministry. And everything I do flows out of my family. And um and and I just love them and I'm happy to, and I'm happy to be with them and and I'm just thankful for them. And uh, I think there's a restoration of family in the church because so many times family's been sacrificed on the altar of ministry, and I don't think that's the way God wanted it. I think God, you know, He wants good, strong, healthy marriages and good, strong, healthy children. How I many legalism destroys the foundation of all relationship? And God doesn't want that. So, anyway, I'm, I'm thankful to have wa- to have. Watch others make mistakes and learn from those mistakes and make mistakes myself. How I many you know it's never too late for redemption? That's right. Amen. God is amazing. He stands outside of time and He has the ability to redeem. He makes all things new all the time. Yep. And so, you know, if you walk down that road of legalism and, 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 you, and you made some mistakes and all that, God will restore all those things. Amen. So anyway, so we, um, this, is our, the, this is the first book we've written together as a family, right? We wrote this as a family. This is a true story about a rescue dog named Jacob. And, it, and answered prayer, and we wrote it together as a family. And uh, we've had this story for 10 years, and we finally published it. And my plan was to release it this week at the conference. And so it's written in my eldest son's perspective. It, it's from his perspective. 
And uh, we, we take a, a portion of the proceeds and we give them to Royal Ranch Ministries with Cassie with the rescue animals. And the rest of that goes to Ethan's college fund. So it's pretty cool. It's a great story. We have it over here. And, uh, and then also we released our app this week. We have a free app. And so if you want to go over there, you can just download the app just by the QR code. And we're going to have, we have all kinds of stuff on there. We have uh, car videos. We have uh, just teaching and audio. And what I want to do is I want to do a devotional. I'm going to do an adult devotional. But you know what I want to do? I want to do a teen devotional. I want a grace perspective teaching for the young people. And it's all going to be free. So I just let you know if you want to download that app and you want to check that out, uh, feel free to do so. I never felt comfortable announcing my stuff while I'm leading the conference. I feel like that's wrong. I have to wait until it's my turn to speak in order to do that. Amen? Amen. How many of you want to do the right thing? Yeah. Amen? Yeah, I mean, I'm not under legalism anymore. I've, I've made that transition out of it, thank God. But now, man, I, I, I just I want to do the right thing. But I want to do it for the right reasons now. I never wanted to do it for the right reasons before. I always had bad motives. But now my motives are pure, and I just want to do the right thing. <laughs> I know that's so simple. <laughs> but it's true. Um, Amen. Praise God. All right. I'm going to be I'm going to be a good boy. That's what I'm doing. I can't abide by a different set of rules than I have for everybody else. That's wrong unless it involves brownies. <laughs> Amen. All right, cool. You know my my uh this is the thing that the Lord brought to me, but my son plays on a basketball team. He plays on a very talented basketball team. And uh, they've made, I mean, they've, they've, they have recruits from everywhere. How I many you know that the high schools recruit? You know, yeah. shouldn't be like that in my opinion, but they do. And so we got a different athletic director, and they've recruited all these amazing athletes. They're already getting D1 offers and stuff like that. And so we were in the summer league, and, uh, and, and I'm proud to say that he's the only homegrown kid that's, like, starting on the team. He's the only guy that's from Woodford County that is starting and plays, right? And so I'm proud of him for that. He's worked hard and all that, and uh, and thankful for these things. And God has shown him favor. But uh, before one of the games during the summer league here recently, I was out there and I'm watching these guys. And these guys, I mean, they're, I mean, this the level of athleticism is just insane. And so they're doing their warmups, right? And everybody's out here just dunking and windmill dunking and just doing, I mean, just constantly. And I'm just like. I'm just like, whoa, you know, and Ethan comes up and does his layup, you know what I'm saying? He's like, ah, <laughs> it's all good. And uh, there's maybe two kids on the team that can't dunk, and everyone else is just flying through the air like they're Superman, you know. But the other team is not dunking, and they're just shooting, and they're just doing their thing, you know. But our team, I mean, they're just coming out. I mean, it's like a dunk contest, and I'm just like, whoa, man, these guys have grown over the summer. This is amazing. And so we get in the game, and it's a, very, it's a tough game. It's a close game. But you know what? Our team lost. And the reason that we lost is how many know a game is not won on the spectacular dunk? You know what they did better than us? They shot free throws better than us. They, they ran plays better than us. How many you know fun, fundamental things will beat majestic, exciting moments I mean if you and it's if anyone knows sports or anything um, just just even in the natural the fundamental things work if you're not hitting the layup don't work on your three-pointer you know what I'm saying if, if, if you're if you're if you're not you know playing good defense don't just focus on your windmill dunk how many you know games are won by fundamentals and it's the same thing in the believers life now I'm all for learning new things about God. I mean, one of my, my regular prayers that God would give unto me the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him that the eyes of my understanding would be enlightened. Like, that's what I want. Show me your secrets. He's got secrets, you know? It's exciting. Like, I love those things. But at the end of the day, the enemy, it, the enemy's lost, but the daily victory in your life is the fundamental teaching. The, the rubber meets the road. Um... Teaching. The, how many of us the simplicity of Christ? Amen. And so our guys had a better warm-up, but they lost the game. And so I, I say all that not to, to speak disparagingly towards any type of 
fresh revelation by any stretch of the means because we want fresh revelation all the time. We want that. But a part of an apostolic calling is to always bring balance. That's what I do. Like that's, I'm a counterbalance. God spoke that to me. And, and because our tendency is we, I mean, you know, we overcorrect. Like, we're in legalism, you know, we're, ah, and it stinks, and we don't enjoy it. And then we go to grace, and then we're, ah, in licentiousness, and we're lazy, and we don't do nothing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And like, and, and then we, ah, and we come back. I have found that the truth, genu- generally speaking, is not all the way over here or all the way over here. It's generally right here, in the middle. And, and, and I do think that it's okay as you move. In fact, I think it's a part of the growing process that you're going to, you're going to, you know, how I many know when you drive a car, you're constantly making adjustments and it's okay to end up over here. Um, when you come out of legalism, how many of you have a season where you're testing the love of God and you're testing the boundaries and you're like, God, you love me now. Well, how about now? I ain't read my Bible in two months. How about now? I'm sorry, Greg. I'm the worst person in the world for this stuff, man. Got a, got a, hey man, you're awesome too. I'm a, I'm a, anyway, but, but we're always testing those boundaries, just like I am right now, right? Hey, Greg, what you got? Hey, hallelujah. But how many know that, that, that life in general is a series of adjustments? Your walk with the Lord is a series of adjustments. And even when you're over here in this kind of prodigal, licentious moment, I mean, oh, those are important moments too. Yep. Because you need to know you can't out the love of God. Yep. You can't. But be careful, don't die. Because da- sin is dangerous and it'll kill you. It'll kill, it'll, kill, it'll kill the believer and the non-believer. I mean, oh, there, there is, um, there's impact for, for sin, right? I mean, when we preach the message of forgiveness... Um, and, and grace, like God has forgiven you eternally, but there's repercussion for your actions. If I yell at my wife, there's going to be some repercussions. Can I get an old me? Does God love me? Yes. Am I forgiven? Yes. Am I going to have a rough day? Yes. <laughs> there is, there is, we have never preached a message where there wasn't consequences for your actions. That's just not, that's actually not a true gospel. Now, the beautiful thing about God is how many of God will rescue you even from the consequences of your actions because He's that awesome. But he, he doesn't want you to stay an idiot. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, like that's not His goal. Like, you don't want to live in the ditch. How many know the way of the transgressor is hard? You know? And, 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 and sin doesn't have a, a place of dominion over our lives. How many know we're called to be set free from it? Amen? And so, but this season I think is important because when you spent your entire life in legalism and all your motivation for serving God has been out of fear and fear of hell and fear of this and fear of that and you get set free and all of a sudden you're free, you have to gain your bearings on how to be led by the Spirit and led by love because everything that you once trusted in has been removed and you may have a season of dabbling in some, some things that, that just testing the waters. Anybody else experience that? I think it's a part of it, right? But God doesn't want to leave you here because if you stay here, it'll kill you. And it, it may not kill you physically, but it might kill your marriage. You know, and it may not kill your marriage. It may, it may have impact on your children and all of these things, right? And so we, we, we have this amazing grace so that we can be set free from the dominion of sin so that we can get out of the ditch and we can come back over here to the center road and we can carry the gospel with honor. And, uh, and uh, it's almost like there's a greater, and I don't mean in a pressure sense, but, but there's, a, there's a, a responsibility to carry your vessel in honor because the news is so good that we want to show people that not only is the news good and our Savior is good, He's made me good, and he's now, it changes the way I live my life. I mean, you know, the way you treat people is extremely important. Amen? We want, we want to love people. Now, we don't love people under the law. We receive that love and we give that love. Amen? And so, all that being said, um, I, uh, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2. And, you know, I reached a, a place in my, in my walk with God. And, you know, and one of the things that we have a tendency to do as human beings is we'll get a new, we'll get a new revelation. We'll get a new revelation. And, like, God gives us something new. 
We're like, I got a new revelation. And then we got it, right? And then all of a sudden, God wants to give us another revelation. And so we drop the revelation we had, and we run over to grab the other revelation. And then we see something new. And so we drop that, and we run over here, and we grab this. And then we don't actually build. We just chase revelation. And how many know that there's something that's being built? The foundation is Jesus Christ. The foundation is the finished work of the cross. That's the foundation. We build on, the, on Him. I shouldn't even say that. I should say Him. We build on Him. And when I first started getting a hold of the message of the Gospel, I let go of everything else I had been taught. In fact, I didn't even want to hear anything else. If you brought something else up in a message, specifically the area of faith, because I had faith shoved down my throat for 14 years. And no matter how hard I tried to have faith, I never had any. You know what I'm saying? Like, how many know the harder you try to have faith, the less faith you're going to have because it actually don't work like that? All I did was deify and worship the people that I thought had faith and sent them money so I could be more like them. I mean, you can't buy anything in the kingdom. It's all free. Amen? Jesus paid for it. It's freely given, freely received. It. Amen? I'm not saying don't support ministries. I'm just saying you can't buy anything in the book. It's too expensive. It would cost the blood. And so... Um, and so, if someone preached about faith, I eventually I shut them off. Have you ever, have you ever been hurt or abused in some area? How I many of you don't want to hear about it? You know, if someone's been abused sexually, how I many of you it's hard for them to enjoy the, the gift of sex that God gave? They have to renew their minds out of it. How I many you know if someone's been abused in a marriage, it's the same way. If, someone's been a, if, a, if a child has been abused, it's hard for them. You ever seen a dog that wouldn't trust a man, but would trust a woman? What happened? That dog got abused by a man. And so, in the place of abuse is the place where we need healing, but many times we don't want to revisit those places because of how much we've been hurt. How I mean, many people have been hurt in the name of offerings? I mean, I went through a season in my life was if, if any preacher says anything about money, I'm shutting them off. We're about to take up an alt click. <laughs> We're going to take up an alt click. We're about to preach on faith, click. We're about to preach on evangelism, click, prayer, click, grace. Ah, yeah, give me that. And I was over here like this. And it dropped everything else. And then slowly the Lord began to bring me back to and recognize, I'm going to, you can't toss the baby out with the bathwater. And there are things that God has spent years of your life. How many of you only get so much life? There's nothing more valuable than time. And there are things that we spent years of our life learning. And it would be foolish for us to let go of all of it. Trying to grab something else and release the things that we've learned. How many of you know that Paul had, was filled with Scripture when he was Saul? He was full of Scripture. And how many of you know that's a good thing? I learned a lot of Scripture under legalism. Anybody else? And you know what? And like Gregory was sharing, having Scripture committed to memory is powerful, man. Now, how many know that we want the Spirit of God to turn that water into wine? But when, when Paul finally came to Jesus, how many know he was a powder keg of Scripture? And all Jesus did was breathe life on it, and immediately all Paul saw was Jesus. You know what I'm saying? So it was like this healthy thing, but, but here's the thing. Scripture is not evil. Those scriptures that you were abused with are not evil. It's the Word of God. It may have been used to beat you over the head. It may have been used to abuse you, but God wants to redeem. Don't let religion steal anything else from you. It's a thief. It's stolen enough don't let it steal something else from you because you've been hurt in the past. Y'all yeah. tracking me here. Yeah. And so, now here's the thing though. You've got to let God lead you into this. Can't nobody push you into this? Because right. I mean, it's extremely important because I had years of my life where don't even mention the faith word to me. I'm going to hear about faith. Why? Because I spent 14 years trying to get faith and never had any. Right? But then, slowly... How many know the greatest teacher in the room is not in a flesh body? Can I get an amen? 
How many know we have a teacher? Come on, it's the truth. We have a teacher. And the Spirit of God, He'll teach you better than anybody else can. In fact, it's a miracle that God has the, the and He calls it the foolishness of preaching, which I love that. God says, I'm going to use people to get my work done. Watch out, I, I can do the impossible, right? But the Spirit of God is a teacher, and the Spirit of God will lead you back to some areas that you've let go. And you may be thinking, well, where's the victory at? What do I got to do? What do I got to change? What's going on? And there may be a baby that you casted out with the bathwater that God spent 10 years developing in your life that you've let go. And God said, I want you to pick it back up, but I want you to put it in the basket of grace. Because when you baptize the revelation in grace, it won't be self-effort and works. It'll be all about Jesus Christ. Y'all, can I, amen? Praise God. Amen. Throw your shoe at me, girl. Let's go. Come on, let's go. I'm the only kid. She will take me up on that. She ain't playing. I love her, man. She's awesome. You got to bring her next year. You know what I'm saying? Like, she is. But um, Ephesians chapter 2, and, and, and in verse, let's see. No, I need to say one more thing before I say this. I got to a place in my fellowship, in my church, and in my ministry, and in my life, where I focused on grace so much that we entered into a state of apathy. We entered into a state of no vision, no motivation, and we really didn't have a whole lot of victory. Now, we knew God loved us, and we knew we were forgiven, but there was something missing and there was something that was wrong. And what happened was we were in this ditch over here. And let me give you the example like this. Let's say that I had a buffet up here, right? Fantastic buffet. Just good, wonderful food, man. Fresh sliced ham and steak and brownies piled up on each other. Can I get an amen? We got half and half by the gallon, and we about to pour it down and fried chicken and green beans and mashed potatoes and all this stuff. But in every Sunday, this buffet was here. But all we ever did was talk about the buffet and how awesome it was and how amazing it was, but no one ever picked up a fork and put it into the steak or the chicken or whatever and put it in their mouth. Then we would be in awe of the buffet. We would talk about the buffet, but we'd actually never eat. And if all we do is focus on faith, or excuse me, grace, then we talk about the love of God, which does energize faith, and, 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 and it's wonderful, and it brings a sense of forgiveness and all of these things into our lives, and it's wonderful, but faith with, grace without faith don't work. According to the Bible. Amen. You are not saved by grace alone. That's an unscriptural concept. And then let the dissonance begin. But it's true. You can't show me in Scripture where you were saved by grace alone. The buffet is displayed, but you've got to rise, kill, and eat. You've got to rise up and put your fork in. How many know that grace has been supplied to every single person on this planet? How many know grace was supplied to Hitler? Osama bin Laden. Every single person on this planet, grace of God has been given. Their sin has been taken care of. But you're only going to get saved by faith in Jesus Christ. It's been presented to all, but you're, you know, once again, we just go back to the buffet analogy. If I talk about the buffet all day long, man, this buffet is awesome. It's amazing. It's awesome. It's amazing. It's awesome. It's amazing. We got this. We got this. We got this. We got this. But if you never get up and put your fork in the food and put it in your mouth, you're just going to have knowledge of a buffet and you're not going to enjoy it. Now, when I'm talking about the buffet, I'm talking about the promises of God. How many know God has all these promises for you to give you a wonderful life on this planet? You don't need promises in the next life. There's no, there's no enemy in the next life. There's no, there's no challenges. You need the promises here. Exceeding great and precious divine promises that you may uh, be partakers of His divinity, that you may escape the corruption that's in the world through lust. God has a promise for everything that you're facing right now. Every giant in your life, God's got a stone for it. There's a promise for it. But these, these promises are accessed by faith. 
Grace is accessed by faith. Now listen, I'm not trying to bring everybody back into legalism. I'm not going back to this ditch. I, if I had to go back to legalism to get to heaven, I'd just go to hell. Seriously. I'm not even kidding. Like, I could never do that again. So be at peace. I'm not on, I don't got my legalistic hat on, and I'm not going to sit up here and beat the faith drum and, bring, and try to bring everybody back over here. Okay? But some of you are struggling right now because I'm saying some things that remind you of things that happened in the past. But can we agree that the Scriptures are true? And so if we can go into the Scriptures and we can take a look at it, then, then we can reason together in the Scriptures. Amen? So let us go. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7. And you know these Scriptures. It says, In the ages to come, he, may, he might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace. The faith is the access into the grace. It's, it's how you step into it. Okay? Uh, Romans chapter, you can turn there if you want to, but I've got to roll quickly here because I'm going to abide by my own standards. Because if I don't, I'm a hypocrite. And I'm not a hypocrite. Romans chapter 4, verse 13. It says, For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. Here's the challenge with all faith and no grace. You're in law and you, have, you void faith. Here's the thing. Faith does not move God. If you think faith moves God, then you don't know a God of love. You know a God that's trying to require something of you in order for Him to love you. God loves you before you believe. God, God died for your sins before you believe. God is with you before you believe. I was a drug addict, alcoholic, atheist, 19 years old, drunk on vodka, cussing God out. He loved me just as much then as He does me now as I'm preaching. So... Your faith does not move God. We were wrong about that. And if you think that faith moves God, then you don't know the character and nature of God. And then you end up resentful towards God when you don't receive your healing. You end up resentful towards God um, when you don't receive a financial blessing or you don't receive a promotion or whatever. You're like, God, what is your problem? If it were me, I would heal you. Come on, and we, and, 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 we, and we think that we are better than God is. Or something didn't happen, then once it, in that paradigm, in that scheme, God is just grudgingly saying, look, I'd like to love you, but your face sucks. <laughs> look, I'd like to love you, but yeah, I'd like to heal you, but your face sucks. And I know that's strong words, but I feel like it needs some strong words. Because you ever feel like their face sucked? I spent 14 years feeling like I had the crappiest faith on earth. And I just worshipped the people that had faith. And the harder I tried to have faith, the less faith I had. Because I had no grace. <laughs> we had no grace. None. you got to drop a grace when you first got saved. And then after that, it's all you. And please understand, I am compassionate with your moments of dissonance. I am compassionate towards even your feelings that you're feeling right now. Amen? I love you. But I'm telling you, we can't just talk about the buffet. We've got to sink our fork in. So here's the thing. Faith does not move God. Alright? This is what, this is how it works. If you go, I mean, you know, if I go, if I make a phone call to the electric company, and I'm like, hey, listen, my TV's not on, my lights aren't on, my air condition is not on, I need y'all to get your butts down here and turn my light switch on, turn my TV on, turn my air conditioning on. How many know they're going to hang up on me? Because their job is not to turn on the power. Their job is to supply the power. 
The cross supplied all power 2,000 years ago. Your faith accesses the already present supply. Your faith accesses the already present supply. Your faith turns the light switch on. When you're, when you're, you never pray, and, and listen, if you're trying to pray and say, God, if it be your will, don't pray like that. If you pray like that, I'm, I'm promising you it ain't going to be answered. The will of God's right here. God says He wants to heal you. He wants to prosper you. He wants to bring salvation to your home. He wants to protect you. He wants to cause you to flourish. He wants your gifts and call. That stuff is settled. God wants to bless you. In fact, He already has. You're already blessed. You're not chasing a blessing. You're not chasing an anointing. You are never going to get more of God than what you have right now. Now, you can get a fresh and filling of the Spirit, which we had last night. Can I get an amen? Fantastic. And, and, um, but you're not going to get more of God. But what faith will do is it will turn on the light switch. God's not holding anything from you. Once again, if you think faith moves God, then you're going to not like Him. You're going to not like Him. Because you're going to be like, what is your problem, God? Why are my kids going through this? Why is this happening in my life? And as we've had the grace of God revealed to us, we find out that God actually loves us. And God's for us. Can you get an amen? And His heart for us is good. And we focused on it tremendously, and we should, and we should continue to. I'm not saying that we should not. Never, never let go of the, of, of the finished work. Every revelation belongs in the basket of the finished work. If you try to have a revelation outside the finished work, you're going to set yourself up for weariness and failure. I mean, it is finished. It's not trying to be done. So the, the power station is not going to turn your lights on for you. Right? Why? Because they've already given you power. You already have power. The power is inside of you. The power to prosper you. I mean, He gives you power to get wealth. Can I get an amen? I need an amen on that right now. It's time for the church of God to prosper. You need, we need you to prosper right now. We need you to prosper. We need you to prosper. Why? Because there's a world out there that's not prospering. In a time when people aren't reaping, the people that reap will be the people in control. And you know, and when we're in control, you know who's in control? God is. Because we're not in control. Everybody following everything I'm saying right now? You're called to reign in life. Amen? And so, faith does not move God. God moved 2,000 years ago. He's not moving anymore. He's finished the work. He's given you the power. Now, the Spirit of God will coach you and father you. And lead you and guide you. I'm not saying God's just as far off as a power station. No, the Spirit of God's right there talking to you, teaching you, okay, you need to do this, you need to do that. And sometimes we do it and sometimes we don't. And he, it's okay. Like, I don't cast my kids out when they don't listen to me. I'm just like, okay, do your thing. Praise God. You know? You know, and, and, that, and that's okay too. How I many know that's a part of it? But ultimately, the, kind of what the, the primary thing that happens in this life is we find out like God is good and He's smarter than us. And like, if we'll listen to him, he'll give us a good life. I have arrived to that place. The greatest place that, I, that my life has known that I cannot do anything. Like Greg was prophesying over me that my strength is my weakness. It is. I suck without God. Like, I am just awful. And that's okay. Because I have him. So I, don't need, I just don't depend on me for anything. I can't tie my shoes by myself. I'm okay with that. How I many of his strength's made perfect in my weakness? I'll gladly boast in my infirmities. I need Jesus Christ. I don't want to be doing anything in my own strength. I don't want to be married in my own strength. I don't want to be a father in my own strength. I want to preach in my own My strength is not good. I want to change my strength. I want His strength for everything. Amen? And so, the, the faith... So, alright. Let's continue here. For if those who are the law... For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect because the law brings about wrath. For where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace. Faith and grace work together. They are not enemies. Astonishing how quickly we want to segregate into groups. I am a grace person. I am a faith person. You're both stupid. <laughs> I used to be like that. 
I'm not trying to be mean. Don't be a faith person. Don't be a grace person. Be a Jesus person and have them both. Can I get an amen? And, 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 well, Gregory was talking about um, ideas and being fascinated with ideas right now. You know, when, we, when he was ministering last night, how I many we can't just be fascinated with ideas? And I'm not against revelation, but I'm saying he's a person. Don't just have faith or grace. Have them both. Can I get an amen? Don't just have healing or have financial prosperity. Have them both. Can I get an amen? I want it all. He paid for it. I want all of it. Everything in the book. I want it. Now, I can't make other people take it. I can't make other people have it. I can't even make my church have it. But I want all. I want every bit of it. Every last drop. I want us. I love what David said. He said, I, I will take the cup of salvation and I will drink it down. I will eat all God's brownies. <laughs> yes. How many know God loves that? I love the teaching that Gwen does about Lombano. Gosh, we need more of that in the body of Christ. Take. Okay. Take it. Take it, take it, take it. See, you don't deplete God when you take from it. You energize it if you allow that term. Remember when Jesus was serving the woman at the well? And they came back. They left to go get him food because he said he was tired. He had a human body. And he, and he went and he ministered to the woman at the well. And all of a sudden he was strengthened. He said, I have meat to eat you know not of. Somebody came and took from me and I feel great. That's how God is. You take from God. Now we give to each other, but we take from the Lord. Amen? And so I want it all. I want every single thing that he paid for. Why? Because have you seen what he looked like when he did it? Have you seen the price? Have you seen the cost? Like if not, if not doing it for myself, at least do it for Him. Every single promise. And here's the thing. You have them all. Old Testament and New Testament. Whatever you're willing to have the audacity to believe that God will do for you, He's going to do it. Now, God's not going to do things that are not provided in grace. Amen. How I many of God ain't going to give you somebody else's spouse? That's not in the book. But people have done that. They've, they've claimed someone else's spouse. That's not, that's, there's no provision for that in grace. It's not in there, man. God's not going to violate His standards of righteousness and morality to appease your flesh. But God will actually give you something greater than anything you can fabricate in your own devices. Be content with such things as you have, knowing I will never leave you nor forsake you. God will satisfy you greater than any person, any place, and anything can. And I don't want to get into that, but I've been talking a lot about covetousness and how the world runs on covetousness. Listen, if covetousness is present in your heart, there's nothing you'll be satisfied with. Nothing will ever satisfy you ever, 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 ever. Grass will always be greener. You'll always be chasing something else. No, godliness with contentment is great gain. God will teach you how to be satisfied with your life as He takes you into more. Amen. And so... Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure. Everybody say sure. sure. When it's faith in grace, it's a sure thing. You know why it's a sure thing? Because it removes the weak link. Us. And we're going to take a look. See, go to, go to Romans chapter 12. See, back in the day, we were taught, you got to have more faith. you got to have more faith. Just get your faith up. Come on, more faith. Dude, we were in church six days a week, four-hour services, Got to hear the word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Come out, no faith. Man, my faith sucks. All right, I just got to get in some more church services. Anybody been there? And what? And see, what we thought was that it was our faith, and it's not our faith. It's Jesus's faith. <laughs> Talked about it last night. You, this is not your faith. You're not trying to build your faith or drum up your faith. This is Jesus' faith. Amen? See, now you see Jesus rebuke the disciples for their small faith, don't you? Come on, He said it. He did, right? But after the cross and once the Spirit of God comes, you never hear Paul rebuke anybody for small faith. You never hear Peter rebuke anybody for small faith or John. Why? Because if you talk trash about somebody's faith, you're talking trash about Jesus' faith. The disciples didn't have Jesus' faith yet. But after the cross, no one ever gets chastised for small faith because there's no such thing. 
There is no lack of faith in this room in any individual because we've all been dealt the measure of faith. Let's look at it. Romans chapter 12, verse 3, it says, For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. When you got saved, God deposited His faith in you by His Spirit. You're not trying to get more faith. Amen? Let's go to Galatians 2.20 real quick. And I'll read it to you. It says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by, by the faith of the Son of God. That's the correct uh, translation. By the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Jesus has given you His faith. So then the question... Now turn to Hebrews chapter 4, please. And actually turn there. The question is, if... If we have Jesus' faith, then why does it sometimes seem like the light switch stays off? Okay? And so what's, what's going on? What's, what's, what's the challenge? What's the problem? Now, I'm also not going to stand up here and tell you, I'm a man of great faith, and all that I pray and all that I say comes to pass. I'm not saying that. Amen? How I many of we've had enough of that? Right? We want some transparency. I just was open with you with the, the challenges of my children. Amen. I, gave, I, I prayed for my children, but you know, I also gave them antibiotics for the, for the ear infection that they were dealing with. And I'm not ashamed of that. I don't feel bad about that. I'm not going to make my kids suffer because I'm trying to turn the light switch on. Now, there was a time when we did that. You know, Ethan, he, 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 he walked a different road. <laughs> Ethan had some before grace times, you know. He had about five years in legalism. Like, what? You want ibuprofen? Where's your faith at, boy? <laughs> we were never like that because my wife was always wiser than that. My wife was like, these people are crazy. We're not going to do that. <laughs> I mean, my wife, ne my, she, her heart is so beautiful and just her gifting. Like, we've, we never really raised our kids in legalism, even though we were in legalism because my wife just knew better. And so she's, she, yeah, thank God for Stacy Johnson. Amen. And she taught me how to not be like that. Amen. Now, we were in legalism and everything else, you know, our marriage and, and everything else. But with our kids, we, we weren't in legalism. So anyway, all that being said, I'm just trying to say I'm not up here trying to tell you that I've arrived. But I'm telling you that I've spent some time just talking about the buffet. And I'm realizing that we have to transition into seeking the fork in. Amen. And, and God's been bringing that back. And God's bringing me back to some teaching that I cast away that's actually good teaching. But... Always making sure it stays in the basket of grace. Can I get an amen? Yeah. How many of y'all faith teaching without grace will kill you? Yeah. Everybody experience that? Some of y'all maybe? Why? It'll put you right in legalism. It'll make you so self-conscious you'll completely forget about Jesus. And you will deify your faith and deify other people's faith. And you won't even talk about God. You won't even think about God. It'll all be about your faith. That's not, that's not the kingdom. Amen? And so... Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 1, it says, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering into His rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Now this is the kind of a deep scripture right here. It's saying there was a promise given to them, but they didn't mix it. Everybody say mix it. They didn't mix it with faith. Didn't say they didn't have faith. Says they didn't mix it. Now let's actually turn there. Numbers 13, please. So what we want to do is you already have faith. We just got to mix it. Everybody tracking me here? You just got to mix it. Got to mix it. Well, Jeremiah, that sounds like works. Sounds like legalism. You're bringing me back to legalism? I'm not. But I'm telling you, you can sit and stare at the buffet all day long, but if you don't sink a fork in, you ain't going to eat it. Well, how do we work the works of God? Belief. Right? How do we do it? What do we believe? What will, what will help your ability to believe? Well, I love what Greg says. How many, this Greg. Both, I've been talking about both Gregs this morning. you know. But... Um, let the Lord persuade your heart. How many of the Lord will persuade your heart? Yep. 
He'll do it in a quiet time. He'll do it in a meditation time. He'll do it when you're, um, when you're, you're speaking the word to him. You know, what Gregory was talking about last night, the, 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 the power of meditation and speaking out God's word to him. There's so much power in that. Did y'all feel the room flood with the spirit of God when he did that? And see, and, and he's putting his relationship with God on display for us. But how do you know he's inviting us into that same relationship? Just like Sherry was like, I, t- teach me how to do that, you know? How I many you know we can all do that? But what he, what, what he was doing, he was mixing it. He was mixing it. He was mixing it. He was agreeing with God by saying what God said. He was speaking. He's a speaking spirit. You're a speaking spirit. Everything that has been created was created by words. Everything is subservient to words. Everything is subservient to words. Speak. Speak, kings. Speak, priests. Speak, sons and daughters of God. How did you get saved? You spoke. You believed and you spoke. How did God create everything? He spoke. See, we think this world is solid. This world isn't solid. You know what's solid? Words. Words are spirit in their life. They are more solid than what we see. It is true. We're the only part of creation that can speak. Dogs can't speak. Cats can't speak. I know they communicate with what they do, but they can't speak and create. You can. The reason this world is so jacked up is because beings created in the image of God are speaking death. The enemy works overtime to get the world speaking death. It's never cool to speak life. Cool. When I say cool, I'm talking about being accepted by the world. How many know there's a threat of death in all of their music? There's a threat of death in all of their sayings. I laughed so hard, I nearly died. You know, I ate a, you know, just, I can't even think of all the cliches. But, but, but how many of all those cliches are centered around death? Why? Because the devil has no power, but the sons of men that have power, and that power is in their mouth, and if they'll use their mouth to kill each other, and they'll use their mouth to destroy, then the enemy has an element of influence in the earth, not because he has authority, but because he's hijacked the ones that have the authority, and the way they express that authority is through their mouth. We have billions of people on this planet speaking death. We have news agencies speaking death. Death, 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 death everywhere. We are the children of light. We are the children of life. We are to speak life. God did not see darkness and speak darkness. God saw darkness and spoke light. I'm bringing us back to a baby that we dropped. And some of y'all maybe never dropped this baby. I don't know. Some of y'all maybe never taught this. But there's an entire revival that spent years just trying to get over to Christians that there's power in your words. And it, it, and it drips into legalism when you think that you're trying to speak to move God. You are never speaking to move God. You can't move God. He's sitting down. He's seated. God ain't moving. He's like, boop. I'm just waiting till my enemies are made my footstool. How's it going to happen, Lord? Those people are going to get a hold of the fact that I love them that I'm good, that I've made them righteous, that everything I have for them is for free, and they're going to finally start to say what I say. Because when you say what God says, things change. When you speak life, when you see death, things change. When you speak to the mountain, how many of the mountain moves? Can I get an amen? And don't enter into a moment of dissonance because I'm saying some things that maybe been abused in the past. You will never speak and move God. God has moved. But how, and I like what, um, what Al was saying. How many of the kingdom's voice activated? Yes. How many of you can speak, however, and turn on the light switch? Yeah. Amen. Amen. And see, if we are those that just silently sit and stare at the buffet, oh, the grace of God's so good. God's good. And we just stare at it. And we don't voice activate the promises by arising as sons of God and extending the scepter of righteousness and letting out of our mouth be in agreement with the mouth of God, then we'll sit in darkness with no light switch on, smelling the food but not tasting it, growing more and more frustrated. And even entering into a state of apathy, 
uh, whatever. Uh, then all of a sudden, laziness. All of a sudden, no purpose. All of a sudden, slumber. All of a sudden, no promises of God manifest, but we know God loves us. We know we're forgiven, but we're not rising and eating. And even the legalists are eating more than us because they're actually accessing some of the promises, even though they're under a horrible yoke of bondage. How many of you can slip up? Everybody slipped up and got something right in legalism every once in a while? And, Whoa, that was a miracle. Praise God. Y'all see that? And then all of a sudden, we're going to worship it and make a doctrine out of it, right? But like, the reason that God has brought us to this place is, is so that... Now, so let's just go over to... Let's go to Numbers. Let's look at it. Numbers 13 and verse 25. This is when the spies were entered into the promised land. And uh, they sent in 12 spies. And uh, how many know 10 of those spies came back with a bad report and two came back with a good report? How many know 10 represents the law? How many know the law cannot inherit? How many know Moses never entered into the promised land? Why? Because he was of the law. He was supposed to speak to the rock, and he didn't speak to it. He struck it. How many know in legalism, it's, it's a bash fest? Come on, man. It's condemn or be condemned in legalism. If you can shout while the preacher's preaching about other people's sin, no one will think that you're the sinner. And they'll think it's somebody else. Well, amen! You know, I've been there, man. Like, you shout so you don't get condemned, but really, you're dealing with the same stuff, but you shout so you can condemn the other people that are silent and feel good about yourself. Boy, that sounds like the love of God, doesn't it? Yuck, man. I don't want that. Um, but the ten didn't go in. Moses didn't go in. Why? Because law voids faith. There is no faith where, where legalism is present. Uh, Numbers 13 and verse 25 says, They returned from spying out the land after 40 days. They departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them and said, We went to the land where you sent us. Truly, it flows with milk and brownies. <laughs> Come on. Half and half, boy. Not, not just a, not that 2 that 1% milk. Anybody in here drink that 1% pink cap? Oh, I'm casting it out of you right now. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Man, I'm a, I'm a red cap guy, man. <laughs> if there was a redder cap, I'd drink that too. <laughs> Where's Michael at? He's judging me. Okay, cool. He's like, yeah, I am. <laughs> oh, Lord. Praise God. All right. We went to the land where you sent us. Truly, it flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Now, they never said the promised land was bad. They said it was good, right? Now, let me just stop here for just a moment and say this. So they knew they, they, they recognized that the promised land was good. They never said it wasn't. But then they said this. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Nevertheless, nevertheless, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The, I mean, those are the giants. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Heatites, the Jebusites, gas prices, recession, you know, politics. Racism, violence, it's so bad, it's so dark, so dark. How I many you know that's not how we speak? Don't join into the channels of death. See, beings that are created in the image of God have power whether they're saved or not. It's true. People that are spiritually dead, their words still have power. That's why there's all, all kinds of junk that's on the planet. But how many know that the, the he that's within you is greater than he that's in the world? And the words that you speak trump all other death and darkness. You have, you, you have the spirit of the living God. And how many know when you speak, you're releasing Ruach. You're releasing the, the spirit. You're releasing breath of God. But however, you must say what God says and not what they're saying. 
Don't tell me how much gas costs. Don't complain to me about these things. Don't, don't tell me that stuff. Speak life. Speak life. Listen, you're going to have to be purposeful about it. Any dead fish can float down the stream. You're going to have to purpose. I mean, it's easy to, to complain. I don't like complaining. If people are complaining, I move away from them. Why? Because I don't want to be miserable. If I'm in line and people are complaining about stuff, I just won't talk to them. Complaining about the cash register girl because she's too slow? Shut up. Complaining about the waitress because she's not good at a job? Shut up. I'm not going to join in with that. Why? Because I don't want to be miserable. If you want to be miserable, go ahead, but I'm not putting your misery in my mouth. Everybody's in the world, they're complaining and they're offended and they're speaking darkness, and unfortunately, the Christians are speaking it just as much as the non Christians are. No, stand out, be different, speak life. How do you do it, Jeremiah? Put life in you. Like Gregory was talking about, you know, Gregory Reefer, when he was talking about speaking the word and speaking the promises and being in the presence and all of these things. How many know that you can deposit the word of God inside of you and it can dwell within you richly in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs? One of the things that I found out, because a lot of times I speak the word a lot and I enjoy doing it, but a lot of times I'll just sing a song. And I'm not some great singer. You don't have to be. But you can put together a little ditty in the kitchen while you're doing the dishes. You know what I'm saying? And be like, you know, this joy that I have. You know? and, and my wife always makes fun of me because I can't remember the words to any song. I got the melody, I got the rhythm, but I don't got the words. And I tell her it's a gift because I'm always in remix mode. Because I, I throw in my own words. You know, I'm mean, like, this chicken that I got. <laughs> the Lord did give it to me. No, I'm just kidding. But how many know that you can sing unto the Lord and there's a power in that and it allows the Word of God to dwell in you richly? How many know it would be better to have a song at the gas pump than a complaint? A thanksgiving? Sing a song. You know, I was at the, where, we're, where we're at, where we're staying and stuff like that. And God's doing this to me more and more. And, and, and I just start, I just sing to the Lord in the pool. Look, man, if they can blast their awful music all the time, why can't I just sing about Jesus? And I'm not being a jerk about it. I'm not like, you know, being a jerk. But I'm just got a song in my heart. If they want to hear it, let them hear it. It's cool. I love them. I'm going to be nice to them. I'm going to be kind to them. But like, what if we started singing more than complaining? Watch, watch and see if it doesn't keep you filled with the Spirit of God. Amen? Amen. And so, they complained. Then here comes Caleb. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went with him said, We are not... How I many you know Caleb spoke differently than the other ten? What did he do? He mixed it. He mixed it. How did he mix it, Jeremiah? He agreed with God. God said, I'm going to give you this promised land. God never said they weren't going to be stronger than you. God never said they weren't going to be giants in the land. God never said there wasn't going to be darkness. God never said there wasn't going to be famine. God never said there weren't going to be high gas prices. God never said there wasn't going to be division. In fact, he said that there was. But he also said that I will be with you and I will overcome through you and you will arise and you will shine and they will come to the brightness of your rising and they will come to you. Because I will be seen upon you. They'll see me on you. I'm seeing it happen more and more. Yeah, throw the shoe. Come on. Come on, throw the shoe. Just one person at a time, please. <laughs> but more and more, is, I'm seeing people are just drawn to me. People will just come to me. And, it's, they're not, and here's the thing. They're not coming to me. They're coming to Jesus Christ. Even like little kids and stuff. Little kids will come by and they'll just like wave at me. You know what I'm saying? They'll just, cause, why? Because they're drawn to the Spirit of Christ. And, 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 and how many know that it's the same for all of us as we keep the veil rent with the gospel. What are you talking about? Watch just the light off, Jeremiah. You believe in God don't love you. You believe in you're not forgiven. You believe in that you're not the righteousness of God. You allowing condemnation to come. 
I mean, you've got to keep hearing the gospel to keep condemnation off your heart so people can see Jesus. The light shines when you walk uncondemned and you're embracing the life that's on the inside of you. Can I get an amen? I mean, you got to keep hearing the gospel to keep the veil rent. Why you got to keep the veil rent? Because we make mistakes and we do dumb stuff and we see stuff we shouldn't see. And it's just a part of being on earth. You get your feet dirty, you get your eyes dirty, you get your ears dirty. Keep hearing the gospel. Let it wash you. Keep the veil torn. There's a world out there. They're dying. They need you because they need Christ in you. They need to see Christ in you. And you can't walk around condemned. And you can't walk around ashamed. And you can't walk around feeling like you're dirty because when you feel like that and you walk like that and you act like that, you're saying the cross was not a success. And you're saying Jesus didn't do a good enough job for me. And that is unbelief. So you got to keep hearing the gospel so you can keep the veil rent so you can keep on shining. So God never told us there wouldn't be troubled times. He just said, I'm going to be with you in those troubled times. Amen. The greatest harvest the world has ever seen is upon us right now. I believe it with all my heart. Why? Because everything that can be shaken will be shaken. So that which cannot be shaken will remain. What cannot be shaken? Can governments be shaken? All governments can be shaken. Can money be shaken? Money can be shaken. China, Russia, America, everywhere. Shaking, 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 shaking. Everything can shake. But the kingdom will remain. And the kingdom is within you. And the kingdom is upon you. So you don't got to shake like they shake. How many know if an earthquake happened... And everyone in the room was shaking except one person. That one person would stand out. You are that one person. I feel like growling. <laughs> I'd roar like a lion, but it's not cool. I've tried it. It just it sounds like... Row. Every once in a while I'll be working out and forget my earphones or something like that. And, you know, I'm thinking I'm like grunting all masculine and stuff like that. And really I'm just whimpering like a child the whole time. I'm like, man, this is embarrassing, man. I thought I was way more manly than that. And it's like, <laughs> 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 hey man, just being honest. Okay. And so Caleb quieted the people. He said, let's go up at once and take possession. We're well able to overcome. But the men that went with him said, We are not able to go up against this people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which the, they had searched. Listen, they spoke the wrong thing. They said the wrong thing. They did not mix it with faith. Ten agreed with what they saw. Two agreed with Jesus. With God. And see, and once you start in negative, it just steamrolls. Because now they're getting even worse. They said, we are not able. The land which they have gone to search it out is a land that eats up the inhabitants. Man, how many know negativity? At first they just had giants. Now the, whole, the land itself is eating people. I mean, that's how the news operates. And they're going to start out with a, with a kernel of evil, and then they're just going to make it steamroll into something way, way worse. Now the land's eating people. And there we saw the, the giants, the son of Anak, which are of the giants. Listen, this is key. We were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. See, the day and age of the world looking down on the sons and daughters of God are over. Because we've dropped the shackles of legalism off of our shoulders. And I'm here to tell you, we stand in the glorious liberty of the children of God. We are the freest people on the earth. I don't have to get drunk to get free. I don't have to get high to get free. I don't, I don't need a substance to make me not self-conscious. No, 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 no. I have revelation of who I am in Christ. I'm free because He made me free. I'm now drunk on truth. I'm now high on truth. If you'll allow that terminology. The truth has brought freedom. And so now, how many know they're not going to look down on us? They're going to come to us according to Isaiah 60. The Gentiles shall come. Your sons and daughters will come from afar. Then go to uh, Numbers 14. Verse 6. But Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh were those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, and spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy is an exceedingly good land. 
here's the key point. If the Lord delights in us, delights in us, delights in us, and he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. How many know you found out the Lord delights in you? Haven't you? We spent several years finding out the Lord delights in us, right? Now, mix that a reality with faith, with words, with agreeing with the promises, and rise and eat. Rise and eat. Don't just behold the land, eat the fruit of it. Because then he goes on to say, only do not rebel against the Lord nor fear the, pe- the, fear the people of the land. Listen, for they are our bread. This darkness is your bread. These challenges, they're your bread. Famine, it's your bread. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? I'm talking about God wants to promote you and bless you now. In a time when other people are scared and worried and don't know what's going to happen, God wants to bless you now. Amen? So, rise and eat. Rise and eat. Rise and eat. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the most important thing. Most important thing. Come on, speaking out the Word of God, right? Certainly. Speak out Psalm 91, Psalm 103, all the promises. But the most important thing you can say is the same thing that God spoke to Abraham. I mean, God made Abraham a father of many nations. But then he wanted wanted to get to Abraham's mouth. He said, I want you to change the way you talk about you. And I want you to change the way you talk about Sarah. Abraham, Sarah, not Sarai. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? Most important thing that you can say is your identity in Christ. Who you are. Now, whether that looks like you saying you're the righteousness of God, or you saying that you have resurrection life, or you saying that you're forgiven, or you're a child of God, or you're a son of God, or you're a daughter of God, your identity is the most important thing for you to believe. Because as you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all these things will follow you. Don't get trapped in the the vestiges of the old way of using faith by spending all your time on promises. No, spend all your time on your identity in Jesus. That's extremely important. But you got to say it. You got to mix it. You got to say what God has said about you. Amen? Let's rise. Let's eat. Let's have a party because great days are ahead. Amen? Awesome. Thank you.